Psalm 126. Psalm 126 is a lament. It's a psalm of lament. Uh, You're familiar with the word lament. It means a, a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Now, there is a passionate expression of grief and sorrow in this psalm, but it is not only that. It is a psalm that rings with faith. And I want to point that out to you today and encourage you. It's a psalm that's remembering a time when God powerfully moved on behalf of His people, moved in such a way that the nations around them were all astounded and said, look and see what God has done for His people. Verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 126 says this, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. We were like those who dream, and then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. They experienced great joy. We felt like we were dreaming. We wanted someone to pinch us to see if we were dreaming. Our our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues could only emit just shouts of joy to our God. Here's a question. Have you ever been so excited over the way you knew that God was moving in your life that your mouth was filled with laughter? And you had to shout for joy. You ever had that experience? This was their experience. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Where's our shout? Where is our shout? Where's our laughter? And our shout of joy. Now, I know, I know that there is much in the pressures and the problems and the tragedies of life that subdue our joy or that subdue the expressions of our joy. And there are times when the only thing to do is to lament. But, Lament without thanksgiving is a dead end. Lament without thanksgiving is a dead end. It leaves us hopeless. It can leave us fearful. It can turn us bitter. It can leave us angry. And God says this to us, In his word in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, why would God say that to us? Why would he say, Rejoice, give thanks? In all circumstances, pray without ceasing. Is that God's version of just pull yourself up by your bootstraps? 
Is that God's version of shake it off? Is that God's version of telling you to get over yourself? No, it's not that at all. Why does God say that to us? Because faith does not arise out of complaining. Because hope does not emerge out of exclamations of hopelessness. Joy is not watered by negativity. Are you out there this morning? Joy is not watered by negativity. God wants to bring us through all of our trials and our heartaches into a place of greater wholeness, greater maturity, deeper Christ-likeness, increasing fruitfulness. And the way out of the valley is worship. The way out of the valley is thanksgiving. It's okay to lament in the valley. The Scriptures tell us, David said, morning, noon, and night, I let God know what I'm upset about. Morning, noon, and night, I tell my complaint to the Lord. You know what else David did, though? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord. Why are you cast down within me, soul? That's enough of that. Time to praise Him. Time to offer thanksgiving. Time to offer worship to my God. Because the way out of the valley is not lament. The way out of the valley is worship and praise and thanksgiving. And what does that require? What does it require for us to really enter into wholeheartedly thanksgiving and praise and worship in the midst of valleys that we go through? It takes expectation. It takes a certain level of confidence. The belief that God will once again act on our behalf. That God will move on our behalf. That God loves us and He's responsive to us and He hears our cry and He answers us. Psalm 126 verse 4. They've been talking about, remember? Remember that time when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion? Well, we were like those that dream. Our mouth was filled with laughter. We were filled with shouts of joy and, and the nations around us to, could see God had moved on our behalf. But something has gone wrong. Something has not kept that up. For whatever reason, there in a valley again. And now this prayer echoes forth. Restore again, O Lord, our fortunes. Restore us again, O Lord, like streams in the Negeb. What's the Negeb? It's a desert. Desert in the southern part of Israel. Dry. Dry most of the time. Nothing could go for could go for months, 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 months with no water. But during the winter months, sometimes, occasionally, it rains. And if it rains even an inch, the water begins to sluice down through that area in a powerful 
unexpected and dramatic way. It just rushes. There have been people who've seen, who've seen bridges broken by a water that came flooding down the Negev after a heavy winter rain. What's he saying? What are they saying? They're saying, God, do something unexpected. Do something dramatic. Do something powerful. Move suddenly, oh God. Take us all by surprise and do something wonderful and powerful among us. That's what the prayer for this is here in verse 4. Do something out of the ordinary. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. That's been a prayer of God's people through the ages. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Zoom out for a moment and just catch this bigger picture here. Let me frame it up a little bit. What's wrong? Well, what's wrong is that they're, they're in a place that requires intervention. What's their problem? They're in, a, they're in a place that requires intervention, and their resources are not enough. You ever felt that way? Your resources are not enough. Your abilities are not enough. The wisdom that you need, the answers you need, the hearts that need to be softened, the people that need to be moved, the circumstances that need to be changed. Have you ever felt like, I don't have what it takes, Lord, to do this? Their resources are not enough. They need a move of God. Secondly, how did they respond? How did they respond? Well, rather than get trapped in bitterness or get trapped in complaining, they remembered what God had done in the past. Now, I would suggest to you that requires us doing a bit of remembering. Do a bit of remembering. Read the Psalms and note how many times the Psalms remember what God had done in the past. What's God done in the past in your life? How has God moved in your life? How has He changed things in your life? God can change things. Don't believe it? Ask my mother. My mother will tell you that there is a point in time when your resources are not enough. And God needs to do something. And God could take a hardened, calloused, bitter teenage kid and turn him around to follow Jesus. God can do it. Do you remember what He's done for you? Do you remember how He's worked on your behalf? Have a good memory. You'll have greater faith if you have a great memory. If you remember what God has done. That's what they did. They remembered. Remember when the Lord did this? He restored our fortunes. We were blessed. The nations were amazed. We were astounded. Do you remember? They did not complain. They remembered what God did in the past. Number three, what did they do? What did they do? They prayed in faith. They prayed with faith. They cried out to God, do it again, Lord. Do it again. Show your mighty hand on our behalf. 
They cried out to the Lord. And then finally, what did they hold on to? They held on to the eternal truth of sowing and reaping that God has woven into the fabric of His creation. They held on to that eternal truth. Psalm 126, 5 through 6, those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. They're in a place where their resources are not enough. They're frustrated. They're overwhelmed. They're in a bit of a valley. They remember what God had done in the past, and now they're crying out, God, do it again. And they continued to cry out, God, do it again. God, move on our behalf. They prayed and prayed and asked God to intervene. They were willing to sow with tears. They were willing to keep sowing their faith and their expectation and their prayers into the fact that they believed and knew that there was a God who would move on their behalf. And so they prayed and they comforted themselves with this reality. The one that sows in tear will come again reaping with shouts of joy. Where's your shout? Where's our joy? Where's our laughter? Sowing, planting seed will cost you. Everybody take a deep breath and relax. I'm not about to ask you for money, okay? Just relax. This is so much more than that. But if you don't believe that there's a principle of sowing and reaping in finances, you need to go read the Bible a little bit more because there is. But that's not what we're focusing on here. Sowing, planting seed will cost you. Choosing praise, choosing to forgive, choosing to love, choosing to invest time, choosing to take risk, to step out in faith, Choosing to continue to pray day after day, month after month, year after year for that child who has strayed from God, for that loved one who's hostile to the gospel, for those that we care about, those that God has put upon our hearts, and we wonder how in the world is God, are you ever going to answer this prayer? I've seen you answer this kind of prayer before, and I know what it results in. It results in our mouths filled with laughter and shouts of joy, and we feel like we're dreaming. I got an email message. I don't know why this just came to my mind, but I'm just going to share it with you. I got a message on Facebook one day from a, uh, from a young woman and she said, uh, Pastor Jeff, I don't know if you know me, but you preached a revival service in Union Mill, North Carolina, back in 1985 in Union Mill, North Carolina. And I just want you to know that I gave my heart to Jesus at that revival, and I have been walking with Him ever since. My life is so rich because 
I have spent these years walking with Jesus. And I just wanted to say thank you for sharing the gospel and, and, and preaching. And uh, I've been looking for you on Facebook so I could tell you that because you preached it and my heart believed it and my life was never the same. You think I, you think I might have chuckled just a little bit? Think I might have laughed just a... <laughs> yes! Right? Bit of a shout, bit of a joy. Who are you praying for? Who are you asking God? Lord, my dad needs you. Lord, my mother needs you. They're getting older, and they've not yet said yes to you. Lord, they need you. Lord, please intervene. Lord, my child, my son, my daughter. Lord, they're, they're, they're veering off to one side or the other. They're walking away from following you. Oh, God, my resources are not enough. Hi, they're not enough. They, all, all they hear me doing is just nagging. All they hear me doing is just getting on to them. God, they need to hear from you. They need their hearts to be touched by you. Lord, I don't want them to miss it. Sowing will cost you. And if your heart's in it, it'll often, often involve tears. Puritans talked about having what they called the gift of tears. The gift of tears. By that, they meant a heart that was soft enough and in touch with God enough that his emotions, that God's emotions would touch their emotions, that they would easily weep for those without Christ. Sowing will cost you. It will cost you to stand in your workplace and be a Christian if you are a Christian. It will cost you to speak up for Christ in a hostile environment. It'll cost you to overcome your pride or overcome your reluctance and speak to someone about spiritual things. It'll cost you. Sammy and Nami back there getting ready to go to a Muslim country to live and to share the gospel. That's not easy. That's not Northern Virginia living. It will cost you to sow. It will cost us. Sowing costs and is often, often accompanied by tears. Those who go forth sowing with tears shall come again with a joyful harvest. Let me just share several scriptures with you. In Acts 20, Paul has called the Ephesian elders together, and he's getting ready to leave, and he knows he's going into dangerous territory. He knows he most likely will never see them again. And in verse 19, he talks about how he had been with them for three years. He had spent time with them. He says, with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots 
of the Jews. And then later in verse 31, he says, Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one of you with tears. There was no doubting Paul's heart. Pray that you can talk to that loved one with tears. Pray that you can speak to that one you're concerned for with tears. Pray that something cold and dispassionate does not come out of you, but something fierce, something that's fueled by the zeal of the Lord and the heart of the Lord. In 2 Corinthians, Paul said this in 2.4, For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. How did they know his abundant love? Because in the middle of his trials, in the middle of his difficulties, in the middle of his hardships, he made the effort to continue to communicate with them and to share his love with them and talk to them about his tears for them. Philippians 3, 18, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. How do you react to the enemies of the cross of Christ? Part of the social media structure of our day, you meet it with sarcasm, you meet it with criticism, you meet it with indifference, you meet it with ignoring. Paul didn't ignore the enemies of the cross. He wept over them. He wept over them. What in this world makes me weep for this world? Boy, I told you last week, I don't think I care. I don't think I care very much. Jeff, how can you say that? We know you. We know you care. I, I know all the right things. I know all the right things, but I don't want to just know the right things. I want to feel the heart of God. Because without the heart of God, there's no reaching effectively those who don't know Him. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, the writer writes about our Lord Jesus. And he says, In the days of his flesh, that was in the days of his earthly ministry here, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Sowing in tears brings reaping with joy. Jesus, Hebrews also says, for the joy set before Him endured the cross. His his loud cries and tears were not the cries and tears of one who was resigned to some 
horrible fate. It was not the cries and tears of someone who had given up. It was not the cries and tears of someone who had doubts about what was going to happen. It was not the cries and tears of someone who had just thrown up their hands in exasperation. Jesus, because of the joy set before him, prayed, interceded, cried out to God, had the heart of God, wept over the thing that was happening to him, but was filled with confidence that God would raise him up. That God would raise him up and that he would see joy. Sowing in tears brings reaping with joy. Let me share one last scripture with you. We're going to come back to this passage next week because here's where we're heading. Here's where we're heading. We got to talk about our heart for the lost. We got to talk about our heart for those who don't know Christ. We got to talk a little bit more about that as a church. So let me give you this last scripture. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 through 10. I love this passage. Verse 1, working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listen to you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Let me just stop there and suggest to you that there is a favorable time for things. That there is a day of salvation. Let me suggest to you that sometimes we have to pray and pray and pray until the favorable time. Until the day of salvation God has appointed, and we don't know when that is. You don't know when the day of salvation is appointed, perhaps for your loved one, but you pray till that day comes. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Now listen to this. Sowing will cost you in afflictions by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, Sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated like we're imposters and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying, and behold, we live, as punished, yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. How dare we complain? How dare we complain? 
Most of us will never experience in our lifetime even a tenth of what the Apostle Paul experienced in his lifetime and those who were working with him, by the way. He's speaking in the plural, we are. His fellow workers. Here's how we're treated. Here's how the world treats us. Here's how people react to us. Here's how people respond to us. It's hard. It's hard to get out there and sow the gospel into people's lives. It's hard to get out there in a hostile culture and say, We're go- I'm going to speak for Jesus. I'm going to say, I'm going to stand up for my, my Lord Jesus. It's, it's hard to do that. It can cost you greatly to do that. Sorrowful. We sow in tears. And yet, rejoicing because we see the harvest. We see the harvest. Do you want to see the harvest? Do you want to see the harvest? Do you want to see loved ones come to Christ? Do you want to see neighbors come to Christ? Do you want to see your community changed by Christ? Do you want to see our country changed by the Lord Jesus? Do you want to see God move in power? Do you want to see God restore the fortunes of His church in this day and cause us to feel like we're dreaming? And cause us to, our mouths to be filled with laughter and for shouts of joy to erupt from us. Do you want to see that day? Are you willing to sow? Are you willing to sow? If we do, we can bank on God's promise that those who sow in tears, as we bring the precious seed of God's Word, we bring the precious seed of our intercessions and our prayers, God says that we will come again rejoicing. We will come again rejoicing.